Sharon. Um, just going to invite uh, Lara uh, to come to speak to us um, this morning. Uh, we're starting off our uh, Christmas series. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to pray for you if that's all right. Yeah, Father God, thank you for all that um, Lara's prepared. And uh, Lord, for, for the message that, she, uh, that you've given her, I pray, Lord, that you'll give us ears to hear, hearts that are open to, to hear and to be convicted and be inspired and be challenged and be encouraged this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Dave. Brilliant. Fab. December already, which means I officially get to wear sparkles, which is great. And, and means we're starting our new Christmas series. We are going to be thinking, in the weeks leading up to Christmas, we're going to be thinking about hope. And our uh, Christmas series called Hope Has a Name. Hope Has a Name. Do you know, one of the greatest gifts that God gives us is hope. It's what his promises in the Bible um, are designed to do. They're designed to inspire hope in us. God's promises strengthen us in times of weakness. They build our faith in times of doubt. And they lift our heads when we are feeling empty and hopeless. You know, one of the most well-known promises that God gives to his people is found in the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament where he speaks into a season of hopelessness and he reminds them of this. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Yet despite this, this well-known promise and all the other promises in the Bible, when seasons of hopelessness come, they can be incredibly challenging. You know, when these challenges attack us, the thing they often come after is our hope. They try to move us from that place of hope to a place of despair. Now, if you type in the word hope into a search engine, a plethora of information lands on your screen. And as I was kind of reading few, a few of these articles, it became apparent um, that there are certain things that all these articles agreed on. Firstly, all the articles agreed that hope is absolutely essential for our well-being, for our physical well-being, for our psychological well-being, and for our social well-being. And secondly, from a worldly perspective... The view is that hope is generated from within us. It's all about being positive. It's all about setting personal goals and pathways to reach those goals. And it's all about staying motivated along the way. Now, whilst I totally agree that a can-do positive mental attitude towards life, setting good and healthy, achievable goals and a means to attain them, it's all really excellent stuff and really important. I have to admit that actually the thought that my hope depends on what I do, on my actions, on my inner strength, just actually feels completely exhausting and unsustainable. And frankly, will probably lead to me feeling actually rather despondent when I don't reach my goals, when I'm not feeling particularly positive and just simply unmotivated. 
And I think it's also fair to say, you know, I can feel positive and motivated and full of joie de vivre when life and circumstances are going really well. But what happens when things get hard? What happens when I'm in the midst of a really difficult and seemingly hopeless situation? What happens when life doesn't feel all sorted, but completely dark and hard and downright grim? When we feel completely overwhelmed and bleak in the face of all the atrocities and suffering that we see in our city and the world around us? Where does my hope come from then? Do I just have to dig deeper into those inner reserves? But what happens if those reserves just have completely dried up? What then? Do you know, in my honest opinion, I feel that the framework for hope that the world has in place is woefully inadequate. And I think this is evidenced by the fact that we are seeing a real paucity of hope in the world today. And as a result, we're seeing an increase in mental health issues, an increase in breakdowns, an increase in suicide rates. We're seeing an increase in pessimism and cynicism in the world, an increase in insignificance and meaninglessness, and generally people feeling quite helpless. You know, circumstances, whether personal or global, can leave us feeling decidedly hopeless. So, now that I've made you all feel rather depressed, let's turn to our Bibles and we'll see what we can learn about biblical hope in the face of these hard and challenging situations. I'm going to read from Luke and we're just uh, reading a little bit about um, the announcement of John the Baptist's birth. So, it says this. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous in the eyes of the Lord, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. So here we have Zechariah and Elizabeth, and we're told they're both very old, and Elizabeth is barren. They had likely spent years praying for a child, and yet their reality remained unchanged. They were childless. The Bible tells us that both of them were righteous in the sight of God. They observed the the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. They were a couple full of faith and full of trust in God. Yet years on, their prayer for a child still went unanswered. But they continued to walk blamelessly with God. 
Do you know, in a society where bearing children was a symbol of blessing, their barrenness would have weighed really heavily upon them and they would have felt completely dejected and hopeless about ever having a child, especially as they grew older and it became physically impossible. But hope emerges in the most spectacular way for this couple. Their circumstances don't change. They're still old. But God breaks in, defying the laws of nature and completely disrupting their long-standing expectations. And this real miraculous promise reminded them and so reminds us that God's plans are beyond our understanding, that his timing is always perfect, and that hope can emerge even in the face of seemingly impossible odds. I think most of us will probably at some time experience times where we feel completely hopeless, where we're at our wit's end, where we just want to give up, when we feel like we've got nothing to cling to and feeling completely overwhelmed. And I want to just remind us at this point of two of God's promises that we can hold on to when we feel this. Firstly, we are not alone. We are not alone. You know, one of the most common effects of hopelessness is the feeling that we are alone in our battle for hope. We can all too easily convince ourselves that we are the only ones going through this battle. But nothing could be further from the truth. You know, the Bible is really clear that human emotions of doubt, helplessness, anguish, despair, grief, pain, they're all really normal emotions and should be acknowledged. You only have to read the Psalms to see the full spectrum of human emotions on display. You know, the psalmists wrestle and they fight and they struggle to maintain their hope in God. In the book of Jonah, we read an account of Jonah where he's feeling so helpless, he even says, I wish I were dead. And even Jesus experienced hopelessness. In Matthew, he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. You know, these examples just remind us that we are not alone in our hopelessness. Secondly, we are not forgotten. When we feel hopelessness, we can think that God has forgotten us. I bet Zechariah and Elizabeth felt a little bit forgotten, a little bit overlooked by God. When we struggle to find hope, we can believe that God's walked away. We can believe that God isn't in the picture or question, why would a good God allow us to go through such a challenging situation? But God promises us that he will never forget us. He will never abandon us. In fact, God invites us to cast our burdens, cast our anxieties onto him. God doesn't forget about us or leave us when we encounter hardships. Rather, he walks with us every step. And he shares the weight of our burdens that we're carrying, asking that we cast them onto his shoulders. You know, unlike worldly hope, 
that's based on circumstances and a kind of wishful and uncertain desire. Our hope is based on the promises and character of God. And it's a confident expectation that God has and will fulfill his promises to us. Our hope is based on a certainty that God will do what he has said. And what he said was that he would send us a savior, a rescuer. And he did just that. He sent us Jesus. Christian hope is so profoundly different to worldly hope because it's pinned on a person and not just any person. It's pinned on God's son, Jesus. Jesus who died and rose again, overcoming death. Jesus who is sovereign above everything. Jesus who one day will come back in glory. Jesus who will restore all things. He will wipe away all our tears, all our hurt. Hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. You know, the Bible tells us that we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus and an inheritance in heaven that will never perish, will never fade, and will never spoil. Our hope in Jesus is in Jesus, our risen um, Lord who has overcome death. Our hope in the present is based on what God's done for us in the past and what he promises to do for us in the future. And because God has already fulfilled so many of his promises through Jesus, we have a certain hope that our future is bright and secure in him. And when we root our hope in the truth and the power of the resurrection, and when we allow the certainty of our eternal future to give us hope for today, that's what will enable us to look at our situations and change our perspective when we're feeling hopeless, when we're feeling overwhelmed. Now, I know it's really easy for me to stand up here and speak about hope, but what does it actually look like when the rubber hits the road? Does this all really hold true when the waves come crashing over us? I'm going to pause now. We're going to hear from um, a really good friend of mine called Mike Clark, who's part of the Highgrove Church family here. And he's going to tell us about his story and how his faith and hope in Jesus helped him in the midst of a hopeless situation. So I've been asked to briefly talk about how I held on to faith in Jesus through nearly three years of long COVID. Now, as a family, we'd been through three and a half years of chemotherapy for our son, John, and then had a few years of respite before I then had three years of long COVID. So it's safe to say that we've had a few tough times, but then again, who hasn't? What I know for certain is that life can be hard. Life can be really, really tough, but God can be trusted. And God is kind. Now, long COVID took away all the things in life that I enjoyed. Exercise, um, reading, 
amateur dramatics, so many things. Everything was just taken away. And I became someone who felt like I, I was existing, not really living. My body and mind stopped working. I had to stop working. And it was really hard to find a way forward and to be motivated. It, you know, it was tough. If, if this was life, was it worth living? And countless times I cried out to God, Lord, just take me, please, I'm, I'm ready to go to be with you, to have a body that works again, to have a mind that functions properly, just please take me. Now for much of the time, all I could do was lie on the bed. I didn't even have the energy to listen to an audiobook, but I could still, most of the time, pray. And so God kindly gave me a ministry of praying for people while I was lying on the bed. Um, and I like to refer to it as it's kind of a combination of intercession and napping. So I called it inter-napping, which sounds a very fancy trip around Europe. <laughs> I found that playing Christian songs um, gave me an opportunity to put words and feelings to the uh, despair and sadness and the grief that I had, but I just didn't have the energy or capacity to give voice to myself. My Christian songs to get me through long COVID playlist yes, it's really a thing, was my way to worship God for who he is, even though I was feeling so rubbish and I was struggling. I was so grateful for family, friends and you, our church family, who stood with us in prayer and practical help, like dropping meals around, um, dog walking and gardening, all the things I couldn't do anymore. At my very lowest point in May this year, when an unexpected tsunami of grief and sadness and hopelessness just threatened to overwhelm and completely crush me, I repeated some, a prayer I'd heard from the Chosen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the Universe. And I repeated that to myself over and over through tears of grief and anger and frustration and confusion and hurt. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. I wasn't strong enough to cope with it all myself. But if God is actually God, he has to be bigger, stronger, more powerful, more capable than any problem or challenge we face. Now I know that that is so easy to say, especially if things are going well, but it's so hard to live out through tough times. I wish I had more faith. Now, I would have loved to have been with you this morning to tell you these things in person, but God is good. And around the summer this year, I started feeling better. And God is a God of acceleration and he can make things happen much faster than we can imagine and that should be humanly possible. And just after my very lowest point, when I've basically given up hope of ever feeling normal again, I got better. And I've been able to start working again in an incredibly physically demanding job. And only God can do that. It really is a miracle. I'm so grateful. So that's my story in just a few short minutes. God is good and God can be trusted. Even if you feel like you're only just about clinging on to faith with your fingertips. I know that feeling so well. Thank you so much for listening and God bless you all. Thanks, Mike. So the hope we have in Jesus, it doesn't erase life's challenges just as Mike has testified. 
but it can transform our perspective on them. You know, it empowers us to face the unchanging realities of life with courage and faith. And it can draw us into a deeper relationship with God as we cry out to him in our pain and our struggles. You know, a bit like Mike's internapping, um, hope in Jesus can, even during the darkest times, give us a renewed purpose and perspective. You know, God is always present. He's always working and always bringing about his purposes. We're never alone. We're never forgotten. When our circumstances can appear bleak and unchanging, our hope in Jesus anchors us in the certainty that God is steadfast, he's faithful, and he's good. You know, there's a lovely verse in Proverbs that says, there is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. There is nothing No person, no situation, no life event that can cut you off from the hope that God has for you. You He's promised you a bright and glorious future both here on earth and in eternity. Let's hang on to that truth even when circumstances seem to tell another story. Let's pray. Lord, help us today to put our complete hope and trust in you. You said you know the plans you have for us, plans to give us a future and a hope. Help us to never lose hope, knowing that you will come through and fulfill what you have promised. Amen.